here. Some of you were with them on Friday. They're around again tonight, and they're here in Worcester for a few days. So um, it's really, really wonderful to have you home. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry, my, my voice, I lost my voice two days ago. Um, I think just too, too hectic. Traveling with two little ones on a plane, wow. It's always been easy when Jonathan and I were single and then Noah came along and I think we were just super unprepared for a, for a flight over here. But it's so good to be back. Uh, last year I wasn't here. Um, I was at home pregnant with Jessica at my end. But the last time I was here, we were actually with the whole entire choir, with our staff, and it was such a privilege and honor to have shared those memories and moments with you guys. And also is such a dear family to us. For those who don't know what Live Village is, it's a children's village for orphan and vulnerable children in Durban, South Africa. We're not like any other orphanage. We are a home, and we give everything for our children, from a family to education to medical care to a bright future. Our whole thing that we're about is to rescue a child, restore a life, raise a leader, and release a star. If you would like more information about Live, you can go on our website, super easy, L-I-V hyphenvillage.com there's a beautiful video that you can watch it gives you visuals of the village and then hopefully one day we will have some of you there to come visit us we know we had Asha with us for six months and it was such an honor and privilege to have someone from the All Saints family with us so for us as a family um, the last year has actually been such a good year. We've been very blessed with our Jessica. Um, she brings so much love and joy, not just to our lives, but to the Live Village family. Um, we always have some kids at our house, some usual ones, and they just love Jessica, holding her, doing family with her, and such a privilege to see our Live family being in our home and doing life with us as a family. Um, but for us as a live village group and for the village, it's been a good year. Um, we can tell you so many stories. It's actually been a very significant year for us as live village. It's 21 years since Titch Smith, the founder of live village, had the vision of, of this children's village. It's the seventh year since we've been opened. And it's the first year we have our final group of students in the last year of school. Since South Africa, we would say they're in grade 12. I'm not sure what you would say, what, what equivalent to English they in their A levels so we are releasing them next year into their future and like any other family we will look after them until they are ready to stand on their own feet and two of our boys are actually coming to England they are coming to Gas Street with Tim Hughes to go do a gap year there for a year so we're super excited that two of our kids would be coming and hopefully next year Jonathan I will pop them over to All Saints before we release them to Gas Street so you guys can also meet them um, and then other amazing things that happen is we've opened our training arms. So we not only create jobs for the community, but we also upskill up, up and train them. And we've opened a welding school taking in 10 students. Um, and then there's so many stories of kids um, getting to know God getting to know their father, lives being restored, um, some of the adults, what God is doing, moms being healed of cancer, volunteers coming over from overseas, giving their lives to Jesus. There are so many stories that we can share. So Live Village is doing good. There's good things happening at Live Village, and we are so honored and privileged to be part of it. But also it's been a tough year as well um, from kids' stories that we can share here, just how hard it is to really restore lives um, struggles that we have with our mothers. It must be such an, 
an intense environment to raise our broken children. So we're also struggling with our moms and how we can support them better financially. It is a massive village. It costs around 1.8 million rand a month to run the village. So we are on our knees every month to trust God for money to come in. So those are three areas I would love you to stand in prayer for us. One is for our kids for absolute restoration. And we know that's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that their lives can be restored. For the mothers to have a real encounter with God and just for the Holy Spirit to guide them and how to raise these children up and for them just to feel empowered and, and receive a lot of love from God for the work that they're doing. And then thirdly for finances. I know our God owns the bank and that he can provide all our needs. So I want you to stand in faith with us that every month God will come through for us. But we will be, after the service, we will have a table. We've got a little bit of merchandise, a book, a CD, um, some beautiful earrings. Um, this is actually made by Mom Kitty. I told her I will come and promote her brand and make her famous. So please, if you want to support Mom Kitty, her earrings at the back. But we also just love to chat to you. Like Rich said, we're here till Thursday. If there's any one of you who feel like you want to have a chat, have a conversation, you've got burning in your heart to step out to God and, and follow His call on your life, we will love to meet, meet with you and just pray with you and reach out to you and give you any advice that we might have for you. But bless you guys. Thank you all saints for the amazing blessing that you are to us, especially to my husband. And it's just such an honor and privilege to be back. And, and we hope you enjoy the word that um, God has given to Jonathan. It's, it's a word that he's actually had on his heart for a bit. And uh, I know you will be impacted by it. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Am I on? Great. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Are we sure? Fantastic. Can you just stand with me for a second? Grab a hand of the person next to you. Nice and quick. You want to just stand where you are? I know it might be a little bit different to what you're used to. Do you want to just grab a hand of someone that you're next to? Thank you. If you need to cross an aisle, feel very free. That was the Holy Spirit. Um, do you want to just close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, you are so welcome, Holy Spirit. We lean into your faithfulness in this moment. We just acknowledge that we need you, that we can't do this without you, and actually we choose not to as well. So we pray for open ears, open eyes, open hearts, our entire beings to be open to what it is that you're doing that the words which you are sending forth would not return to you void, that it will set out and it will accomplish everything that it wants to do. We trust you, Jesus. We love you. And we say, Holy Spirit, help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. Um, I, I promise I will be as quick as I can. Um, just to quickly share, it's amazing to have... Asher Wood back as well, um, and uh, yeah, you can clap for him, it's, it's really good news. Um, and just as he came back, he, he said he would be, it was his first Sunday back as um, he's been with us in the discipleship school for the last six months, um, and the scripture I had in my heart actually, as I just thought of you now, was um, the scripture of uh, a child is born to us, but a son is given, and we present back to you a son. Um, today to say he is alive in God, he is alive and he is well, and he is increasing in his sonship, which is such a beautiful thing. So thank you for coming, um, and yes, we will see you soon. I'm trusting. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't want to beat around the bush this morning, um, All Saints. It's, it's felt like we've come home to family, so I'm going to 
I'm going to be like I am part of the family. Um, and I want to speak to you about some real things, which I feel like God is actually not wanting to just do in this body, but actually for the, for the whole body of Christ. I, I think that this personally is, is, a, is a message that he wants to communicate with his church um, simply because he loves us. Um, I don't know whether you also realize this, but God doesn't just love you, but he, he also likes you too. And we often get so caught upon, but God loves me, but I still feel, but God also likes us. And so I have a word to share with you today about repentance. And everyone's like, yes. <laughs> but the reason why is because I felt very specifically while I was praying, um, and, and I really believe that God wants to break a spirit of performance over this body. Um, in what I'm going to share today. And when I say performance, what I really mean is an attainment to a culture which actually doesn't exist. That we strive for something, some kind of outworking, some kind of showing to other people of, of who we are and how we fit in, when actually the reality is you've become the standard because he who knew no sin became sin that you and I may be called the righteousness of God, the right standing of God. So we actually became the standard. And so today, as I want to talk about repentance, I want you to, to bear in mind, and, and as I talk about this, is there, there is no, in the, in the kingdom of God, there is no striving. Um, we've just heard there is no greater privilege than to be a child of God. I was so glad when you said that. And um, I just want to also say, young people, um, when the forefathers of this church <laughs> stood in front, um, they've paved a way for, for us to learn and to gain from their experience. I want to encourage all of the younger generations to buy that book um, because it's come from a place. Yeah, he didn't ask me to do that, I promise. Um, but it's come, from a, it's come from such a beautiful place. And when, the, when some of the fathers of the church, only some, I know not all, there are many fathers in this house, but when some of the fathers came and stood in front, it was actually an impartation to say, you know what, for the rest of us, for the younger generations, we can inherit all that they've had to fight for. And we can, we can inherit it without fighting for it. Isn't that the most beautiful thing? Anyway, back to repentance. So, I, I, in April, um, I, I really felt God gave a word for the church about increase and how God wants to bring increase to the church. And everyone was like, yes, we want increase. And then I felt him say that he was going to um, introduce a time of new seasons, new beginnings, new wine, and new wineskin. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And he says, beginning with repentance. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> And I want to share with you today that the last six months that I've been in, this is my story. This is why I'll be so passionate about sharing it because I've, I've learned actually um, since January this year, I really thought that I could do it. And now I realize I really can't and that's okay. It's really okay. And so I am learning to undo my performance mindsets and I want to release you of that today. I want your hearts to be free. I want your minds to be free. I want your entire beings to be free so you can serve the king and see the kingdom come in Worcester. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Great. So, when thinking about this, um, I really feel like God wants to do this increase because what, I, what, what my observation is is that there's been an amazing anointing of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green, green pastures, leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. I feel like there's been such a beautiful anointing in the church over the past years of, of creating this environment and, and it's created a, safe of, uh, a place of safety and a place where good culture can be birthed, where people feel looked after. I'm so glad as I see in the, the magazine, it's the, the church 
church um, values are stated around family and not necessarily theology. And that's the right way around because we will agree on family. We won't always agree on theology. But if we get family right, then we gather around the right stuff. And I, just, and I just really feel that as this Psalm 23 anointing in the church has been, has been birthed, has been invested into, there's beautiful resources in terms of pastoral care and how we, how, we, how we shepherd and how we pastor people. It's so, so good. I actually think that in the next five to ten years, God is going to release an anointing of Isaiah 61 to come alongside that. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me too. Do, do, do. Do. And that's what I want to release to us today. That's the reason why repentance is so important because I don't know if you know this, the definition of insanity is thinking about the same things and doing the same things, hoping for a different result. That's insanity. And the church cannot be insane in that way. We can be insane for Jesus, but we cannot be insane by thinking and doing the same things and hoping for a different result. Because I believe that Christ in you is the hope of glory. I believe that Christ in you is going to restore this city as you partner with other churches, as you learn to do family well. And so um, this thing about repentance, um, some of you might have come from a background where you will have literally heard, repent or you're going to go to hell. Um, I want to tell you that's actually not what Jesus said, and it's not what John the Baptist said, so we need to forget about that. That's not the primary focus of repentance. The primary focus of repentance is changing the way that we think. Yes, but actually the real definition of what it is, is turning your entire being from one direction to another. Because if it was just our thoughts, but the rest of us didn't follow, how easy it is to slip back into the same thoughts. But if it's our entire being making a U-turn and actually being birthed again into the new life in the Spirit... That's the kind of repentance that gets me excited because that's the kind of repentance that will bring transformation. We, we drive in our cars with a, with a sat-nav and um, if, we, if we miss a roundabout, um, the lady will very politely, have you noticed she never gets impatient, she's got self-control, like she's got the fruit of the spirit down to a T, says, please turn around when possible. You have missed your destination. Please turn around when possible. Did you know we don't have to wait for the next roundabouts in the kingdom of God, that we can do it instantaneously? We can do it instantaneously because that is how good God is. And when, when it comes to this thing of repentance as well, what we have to understand is, it says in the book of Hebrews, it says this, it's the kindness of God that leads us to change the way that we think. It's the kindness of God that leads us into repentance. And um, I've had the greatest privilege in my life over the last six months to wake up every morning and say, God, I can't. When all of the other days I was kind of like, God, I'm pretty sure I can't do this with you, but sneakily behind closed doors, I'm all right. Like, and I'm pretty gifted too, so I should be able to get away with this. Like, and people like me and I can make people laugh. But you know what I've realized? That's actually not enough. The reality is Jesus and John the Baptist, who were the kind of the forerunners who talked about repentance in the New Testament, they said this, they said, repent. It's not that they didn't say it, they do. They say repent, but they say because the kingdom of God is at hand. Change the way that you think because heaven is coming. Change the way that you think because there's a new order to be established. Whatever is working now is not going to continue to work. That's the primary message of repentance because the kingdom's coming, not because we're going to hell. Amen. Amen. And I want to free us today 
Because Jesus and John the Baptist were more concerned about asking people to change the way that they thought so that heaven could be established than anything else. What does that tell you? As soon as they knew the kingdom was going to be birthed, they would see salvation, they would see new life, they would see extension of the kingdom that they'd never seen before. It's very different to going to hell. So when I call you to repentance today, I'm, I'm asking you to change the way that you think so that the kingdom of God can be birthed in you in a new way. And I hope the church of Jesus Christ are the only people in the whole world who can get excited about this message. Right? We should be. Okay. I've got 15 minutes. Ish. when I use the word increase I believe that God wants to increase you and I believe he wants to increase me the reason why I believe he wants to increase us is I believe that he wants to the Bible says that in Galatians it says that so Christ may be formed in us I don't know if that if you know this is why you exist I'm just going to tell you the truth you exist so that Christ can be formed in you all else is a bit of fluff. But you exist so that Christ can be, can be formed in you. And then it, it, it also says in Scripture that may we only live up to, or may we only ever attain to the standard which has been set, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so when we think of it like this, repentance and increase, I believe that God wants to increase us so that we can see an increase of heaven's activity on earth. Which, for some, it might sound like a bit of a faraway thing. And, oh, no, but when you talk about heaven, are you talking about angels? Are you talking about blah, blah, blah? No, what we're talking about is the reality of heaven is that of his government and peace, there will be no end. He's talking about Jesus in Isaiah 9. Of his government and his peace, there will be no end. So that means that peace is the governance of heaven. And peace is literally wholeness, completion, and healing and lacking nothing. Imagine if we walked around in Worcester and there was no lack That's why God wants to increase us. And I'm trusting as I share this with you today that God's going to deposit things in your heart. I'm not going to speak into specifics because we would literally be here until Jesus came back and then we'd have no time to act. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to trust, Holy Spirit, would you speak into each of our hearts in every moment that we're in so that we we can actually receive what you're doing and may we throw off everything that hinders. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's do this. So, Luke 5. Um, um, you, don't, you can turn there if you want, but I'm probably going to whistle through it faster than you can read it. So, Jesus is walking along, and he comes across Peter, or Simon at that point, and he is in the mundane moments of life. Do you know what I love about repentance? It happens in the mundane moments of life. It doesn't just happen in the miraculous moments when you're at a conference. So you're in the mundane moments of life and you're washing your nets. You're doing the same thing that you've always done because you're a terrible fisherman. And along comes this guy and he says, and he starts to teach the crowd and he gets into your boat. And, and as, he, as he ends his teaching, he just says to me, he, sorry, he, says, to, he says to Simon, he says, you know what, you, you've been fishing all night and the net was on this side, but why don't you just throw it to the other side? Simon's a terrible fisherman, so he's like, well, I probably need all the help I can get. So he does. When he recognized the voice of God, he threw the net to the other side. And as he threw the net to the other side, such a miraculous catch of fish, fish, such increase happened, such filling happened that actually his boat, 
And his friend's boat, who he called over, began to sink, such is the grace of God. And Simon falls to his knees, says, get away from me, God, I'm a sinful man. Repentance happened when increase happened. You can't have the two separate. If you want to see increase, you will always see repentance because it's changing the way that we think. The reality is, though, in our understanding, we would rather just have our net so that we can take enough, we can make our living. Ooh. And as long as we've got enough. But God is not interested in just giving you enough. He wants to give you more than enough. That's why he gave you Jesus. And my fear is that we settle in the church. I'm completely off my notes. But my fear is in the church is that we completely settle for actually what Jesus, for what Jesus did not die for. Like we just sang the veil tore before. You know, I'm really convinced the veil tore not just so that we could get in, but so that God could get out. I'm convinced of it. But unless we learn to think differently, we're not going to see an increase. Our nets are not going to be so full that we begin to sink in the grace of God. I hope I'm convincing you about repentance today. It's a beautiful process. You know what? So God will always want to fill whatever capacity he he creates. We had a group of girls from um, rugby school, the rugby school, the, the posh one. Um, that's the only language I have for it. I'm sorry if you also went to a posh school. Please forgive me. Um, we had 11 of them come, two of them only believers. They left, um, all but one of them believers. I prayed with one girl who'd been searching for a spiritual experience, but I didn't know this. I prayed for her the morning that she gave her life to Jesus on the village because God is good. Amen? Hey, God is good. Amen? Amen? We can get excited about the things of the kingdom. It's fine. Okay. And we can smile in church. We really can. We can smile. If we can't smile here, who can smile anywhere? Hey? Anyway, back to my story. So here she is. Bless her. I said to her, what would you like me to pray for? And she says, I, I don't know how to hear God's voice. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's quite simple. I, I enjoy that one, so I'll, I'll pray for you. So I said to her, okay, let me just put my hands on your shoulders. And I closed my eyes, and I saw a dream catcher. And I said, have you got a dream catcher in your room? And she said, yes. I said, you've been searching for a spiritual experience, but until you repent of having that thing in your room, there's a spiritual blockage which isn't going to get unblocked until you actually repent of it. And you say, God, I recognize I was looking for you, but I was looking in the wrong way. I said, are you happy to do that? And she said, Absolutely. So I said, close your eyes, and I said, just repeat after me. Father, I repent in the name of Jesus for the wrong thing that I've done. I've been searching for a spiritual experience instead of searching for you and the one true spirit which actually brings life in Jesus' name. Amen. And then she opened her eyes, and I said, close them again. He's going to start to speak to you. And you know what her face did? As soon as, as, soon as, we, as, soon as she did that, she went, I said, he's speaking to you, isn't he? She said, yeah, he's showing me things. Because repentance will lead to increase, but we don't really want to repent, if we're really honest, because we do think that we can do it by ourselves, or we're trying to attain to a standard which actually doesn't really exist, because we are the standard. Amen? 
Okay, so what stops us from repenting? Um, it could be a lack of understanding of who God is as a father and you think of him as someone who's going to smite you if you do wrong things. It could be um, for a whole, whole other bunch of things, unforgiveness of self. I want to say to us, especially in a performance culture, the real thing is pride. It's very silent now. It's pride. And pride comes from a place of wanting to be in control, actually because perfect love has been cast out by fear. That's where it comes from. In Isaiah 55, the Bible says this, it says, My ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts are your thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so far are my ways from your ways. But pride will, pride will tell us if we can put the right control mechanisms in, and make people actually think, which is actually performance again because it's about wearing masks rather than being vulnerable. If we can do that, we can actually cover up the reality that our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts, but no one really knows it's okay. When actually the reality is when we get to eternity, no one else is really going to care. And actually probably no one really does care now if we're holding up masks. People want real, right? People want vulnerable, messy, real stuff. I mean, ask Asha, we, we went through six months of it, and all we said is, guys, be vulnerable, be real, and be raw, because that's what we can work with. We can't work with a mass culture. Pride will stop. Pride will get in the way. But the reality is that God's, God's word will not return to him void. And if he's calling you to repentance for anything, and especially from a performance culture, the word will accomplish everything that it's set out to do, and it will return to him having accomplished it. I want to give you another example of why pride can get in the way of repentance, and I'm going to tell through the story of the Good Samaritan. Because the Good Samaritan, Jesus told this parable that there was a man who was attacked on the road and left there for dead. And a priest, the representation of the church, me and you, the priest walks past and actually took a wide berth because he was so afraid. Then the Levite came and he did the same. But then only when the enemy came along, the enemy stopped and helped and actually put him on a donkey, which is actually a sign of peace. It's a biblical symbol of peace, a donkey. That's why Jesus rode in on a donkey. Didn't ride in on a horse. He wasn't coming to, to, to fight the war. He was coming to make peace between God and man. It's beautiful. But in the story of the Good Samaritan, you know what I realized a few days ago? The moral of the story is not about being a morally good person. The moral of the story is repentance because three men were given the opportunity to think differently and only one did. Only the enemy chose to think differently. The churchgoer didn't. The Levite didn't choose to think differently. The story of the, of the good Samaritan is not about what kind of moral lifestyle we can attain to. It's actually about are we willing to change the way that we think so that other people can be served. Do you know what the beautiful thing is? He put wine and he put oil onto the wounds of the man who was lay on the floor. Tell me, how do you get wine and how do you get oil? They have to be crushed down for the substance to be released but the reality is with repentance we are not willing to be crushed down for the true substance of what we're made to release to actually be formed from us and I want to say to us today please please do not neglect the process of full repentance 
Don't just acknowledge that there's something not going too well. Go before God and ask him to do the full work, the full healing, because out of that crushing will come the substance will bring healing to others around you. I've been on this scripture this year. This has probably been my favorite scripture. I, I want you to just imagine with me for a second. So the, 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 the people of Israel and Jerusalem, they're so excited Jesus has turned up. Um, and they're like, could this be the Messiah? Is he? Isn't he? Is it John the Baptist? Is it Elijah? No, I think it might be the Messiah. So these guys all start to follow Jesus. This is, you can find this in the book of Matthew. These guys start to follow Jesus, and they follow him up onto the mountainside with, with his disciples. And you can imagine the expectations, like we've been waiting for this guy for like not just five minutes and not just a few days or weeks. Like we've been waiting for this guy. We've been reading about him. Our whole school system was geared towards understanding who this guy is, and he he comes and we're like, oh my goodness, let's follow him. Let's see what he does. And so he leads them up onto a mountain and there he is and they all sit around and then he says this, the first words that comes out of Jesus' mouth is he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you think, shucks, I missed that because I thought you were going to come and tell us something great. I did a word study on what it means to be poor in spirit because I wasn't poor in spirit. January this year. Now I'm, I'm a poor in spirit man. To be poor in spirit literally means to crouch and beg in your spirit. You only beg when you have nothing. You only crouch when you know, can no longer stand. But the reality is God, Jesus himself said that blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So God says that when we get on our knees and when we outpour ourselves, then he'll give us the realities of the kingdom. But my experience in my life, and I don't know about you, but my experience in my life is that I'm willing to pour out a little bit but then the next bit gets a bit harder and I don't really want to face the fullness of my brokenness. But then the reality is I don't experience the fullness of the kingdom and he can't increase what he wants to do. I want to encourage you to learn how to crouch and beg in your spirit because then he'll give you the kingdom to a greater measure than you've ever seen. And remember, the repentance only exists so that the kingdom can be birthed. I'm going to go one minute. Is that all right? Thank you. Whew. You know what I love in Matthew and, uh, Matthew and Mark? First two gospels where you actually see repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you know what the next thing that Jesus actually says in both of those gospels? He says repent for the kingdom of God has come or repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And you know what he says after that? He says come. He says, come and follow me. And that's the reality is that Jesus, if he calls you to repentance, he's not going to leave you where you are. He's going to ask you to come. He's going to ask you to follow him. He's going to cover you in his dust. And he's going to walk with you into restoration and wholeness and new life so that you can see the kingdom being birthed in and around you. I just want to say, um, don't, don't, be don't, be, don't be conforming to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what the will of the Father is, the good, the pleasing, the perfect will. That's in Romans 12, verse 2 and onwards. 
Do you know the same word that's used in Romans 12 too about being transformed by the renewing of your mind is actually the same word in Matthew 17 that Jesus was transfigured on the mountain where his face shone like the sun and his clothes like white. You know that's what can happen in your mind? When repentance truly happens, you can actually shine bright. You know what it says in the book of Ephesians? It says, whatever God illuminates, it becomes light. So if you give him the opportunity to illuminate your heart and illuminate your mind and illuminate your entire being through repentance, the reality is you become light. And hey, guess what? The light has shined in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. That's the reality of what's available for me and you. Um, and I, and I, I want to say this from Acts 3 verse 19. It says, repent so that times of refreshing may come. That's what it says in the Bible. I'm not making that up. It says that in the Bible. Repent so that times of refreshing may come. You know, I did a little word study on that because I like to look at the Greek. And this is what it actually means. He says, when it comes to times of refreshing, it literally means that new and fresh cool air can be breathed into your lungs. Those of you who were here a year ago, I don't know if you remember, part of the word that I gave to you was that God wants to revive the breathlessness in your lungs. But I promise you, the next step now has to be repentance so that he, Holy Spirit, can breathe in you. Because that's what he wants to do. I'm going to end off with this because I am, I am out of time now. I'm going to end off with this. This is the fastest preach I've ever done in my life. I just want you to know that. As I was walking around Worcester yesterday, I saw all those giraffes. And I saw that most unfortunate giraffe that's not there anymore. It's actually a dinosaur. Um, I don't know if you did see that. Apparently, one of the giraffes got ridden and um, hit. So, as I was walking around, it says, Worcester stand tall. Right? But until we get on our knees... We won't see Worcester stand tall. It's going to take the children of God to get on our knees, to intercede, to go out and be the hands and the feet. If we want to see Worcester stand tall, and we do, amen, we want to see Worcester known as the real faithful city. We do. We're desperate for it. I hope you're desperate for it. If you're not, move to another city where you will find desperation for it. Worcester stand tall. Children of God, get on our knees. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Let's stand. <clears throat> Tall. The children's team are still finishing off their party, which means there's no rush for those of you who've got children to go and collect them. If you do need to slip away, you must feel free to do that. But... Whenever Jonathan and Carita are here, I always ask Jonathan if he will speak because he is prophetic and a gifted communicator. And that might be the quickest sermon you've ever given, but it's actually the best one I've ever heard from you. So thank you. <clears throat> and you can go longer tonight. So I think we need to pay attention to it. And I think we need to respond to it. So let's be still and let's close our eyes if we can. And maybe, again, just adopt that posture of opening our hands and a posture of humility and saying, God, actually, I need, I'm, I'm open-handed. I'm an open book. I'm open to you. And there's an invitation this morning because it's the invitation of Jesus. It's, it's not a confrontational thing, repentance. It's an invitation to step further into that which God has for us. But we have to choose.
And the, the invitation to some of us is to keep making that choice again. We've not done it for a while. And probably for some of us, it's to do it around some specific things. And perhaps for some of us, for the very first time. The abundance of life that is on offer comes when we say yes to the invitation of Jesus. So uh, Fraser is just going to come and play quietly. And what I love is for those of you here this morning who know, because God was on your case as Jonathan spoke, that actually this invitation is one for you to respond to, not because of anything other than you want more of God and you want him to have more of you. I'd love you to come up to the front so we can pray for you. Or maybe you actually might want to come and just kneel. So Holy Spirit, come and help us to have the courage to step out literally from our pews, but more importantly, from the place we find ourselves in right now and into that which you have for us. If you know that God's on your case, you'd like someone to pray for you, you'd like to respond, you'd like to say, yes, God, I'm in. I want an increase of you in my life, but I know it comes from choosing again to put you first and to not trying to do it my own way, then why don't you come out and we'll pray for you. Someone always has to go first, so... Thank you. Just come on out. Find some space at the front. Jonathan is going to come and pray. Prayer ministry team, staff team, if you could come and pray with people, that would be great. Coming out to the front, I appreciate it takes real guts. And it's not about you know, saying, hey, I'm more keen or I'm more holy or I'm more this. It's just space. It's being practical. And sometimes the moving to the front or moving out of our place is a way of saying, actually, I'm not just going to play it safe. So some of you might be thinking, I want to go, I want to go. But oh, just come. <laughs> no one's watching, actually, who's there. No one's going to remember. Come and find some space so we can pray for you. It's just easier than the pews. And sometimes we need to make that move for ourselves. Jesus isn't cross when he invites people. He's just desperate to bless us. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you haven't come out to the front yet, that's fine. But I want to encourage you, just where you are, to have a conversation with the Lord and say, say to him what you want to say. It might be that you're here and you're thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'd even call myself a Christian or I don't really get all of this and this all looks a bit weird all of a sudden. Well, we just believe that God's at work by his spirit. We don't, we don't have a passive engagement with God. And so this is one of the ways we create that space. But... There's other ways too. So as Fraser plays, plays we're going to pray. Feel free to sit where you are. Maybe turn to someone next to you and say, would you pray for me for that? It may be that you want to 
go to the back and get a cup of coffee and maybe you want to go and speak to Paul and buy a book. It might be that it's time for you to head on down and get your children if you're ready for that. It's a sort of messy end this morning, but that's okay. So I'm going to finish with a final prayer and then feel free to make one of those choices. It's not too late to come to the front. Father, we ask you simply to give us courage to keep on trusting you, to trust you in the hard times, to trust you with the big decisions, to trust you at your word, that you have more for us than we could possibly imagine, but to trust that the way in is by coming to you and letting you be Lord, not trying to be Lord ourselves. So give us courage to do that. And as we go from here, would we know that we go in your name and in your power to bless, to love and to serve. Amen. Thank you. We're going to keep praying for people. Do get to the back. There's some bubbly. There's some coffee. Buy a book or two or three. Please don't forget your children. And we'll see you soon.